Allow me to pray now. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you have not left us without a word. You sent your son Jesus, as we have mentioned, um, and we believe to die in our place that we might not know death. And we also thank you, Lord, that you have given us the word of Scripture, uh, that you might illumine our paths as well, that we might understand your plan and provision for us. So, Lord, in the reading of Scripture and the preaching of it, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and uh, illumine our hearts that we might uh, know your love afresh. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Now I'm going to read the Old Testament. This comes from Micah 6. I will read verses 6 through 8, page 990 in your pew Bible. Micah 6, this will be 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. Thanks, Murray. I bet some of you thought when you saw Murray and I on the program that we were going to end up really faster than normal when you get out of here and get to the meal, but uh, <laughs> we'll try to slow it down to a regular speed of conversation. Our New Testament reading are two selections from the epistle of Paul to the Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18, and then we'll refer to 1 Peter 2, verses 9. The Philippians 2 verse in your pew Bible, in your ESV Bible, will be on page 1248, and the Peter verse will be on page 1294. Let's hear the word of the Lord in Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, But much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom whom you shine as lights in the world." holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacral, sacrificial, excuse me, sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. <clears throat> and then Peter's epistle, 1 Peter 2, 9, says this charge to us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the word of the Lord. So I was in fourth grade. I was going to Western Plateau Elementary School. We lived off a good night in 45th before Hastings was over there. They had just paved 45th Street, which is actually how old I am. And I remember my favorite thing in fourth grade was every Saturday, 
I would take the $1.50 that my mom had given me for my allowance, and I would get on my green and silver swim bike with little cards and spokes, and I would ride down 45th Street. Imagine the parent letting this happen today. I'd ride down 45th Street across Western to the Toot and Totem. And with my $1.50, I would buy a bottle of Dr. Pepper 10, 2, and 4, the kind with real sugar in it, the real Dr. Pepper, a zero bar, and my favorite comic, my favorite superhero, Spider-Man. I just love Spider-Man. And I would take that home. I'd get home and I'd go back in my bedroom and I would just pour through Spider-Man. He was my favorite superhero. Have you noticed how superheroes are everywhere? We got Batman, Spider-Man, Captain America, X-Men. Wouldn't it be, I mean, there, there are superheroes everywhere you look. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could actually meet a superhero? Wouldn't that be fantastic if you, well, there, it's, give him a hand. Captain America's here, folks. Let's, <laughs> Captain America was a Presbyterian, huh? Doing my part. God bless America. There he goes. Thanks, Captain America. Let's let's make sure we get his name on the friendship pad. I'd like to get his address. Superheroes. They're everywhere. What is it about our culture and superheroes? Why is it that we're always looking for some grand, some, some, some grand hero, that we're obsessed with superheroes? I mean, my wife and I, we love the movies. We, we love these. They're everywhere now. It's a part of our culture. What is that about us that we need superheroes? Well, the scripture says that we don't just need superheroes, that we need spiritual heroes. Tim Keller says that we are born with this deficit, this hole, this, as Blaise Pascal called it, this vacuum in our lives, and we need a hero. We need a king. We need someone to save us. We need someone with supernatural powers to save us from this human predicament called sin, that deep in the soul of every human being is a need for a hero. And Keller says in the the past, in the medieval times, the way early uh, pre-American countries took care of that need was they had a king. That there was a king and a queen, and they were the hero. They were the savior. It was good to be king and queen, that we needed the king. Long live the king. And that as as, uh, even the Jews came to Samuel and said, we want a king like everybody else. Samuel said, you don't want a human king. God is your king. They said, no, we want one. And they lived to regret that was Saul. As countries moved into democracy and and these royal families passed away, we still need kings. Look at England. Now that they're a democracy, they still worship and adore and the royal wedding. And we want to know about Kate's baby. There's still a need for a hero, a king, royalty. Keller says since we don't have kings and queens in our country, we create our own. They're called athletes, movie stars, rock stars. We had to have our LeBrons and our Mannings and our Manzels, our Cloonies and our Angelinas, our Bonos and our Biebers, because we still, in our heart, want a king, a hero, a superhero, that we need a hero. My wife and I like old movies, and we kind of date ourselves. We let the Footloose, there's a song that says, I need a hero. I'm looking for a hero. He's got to be strong. He's got to be fast. I'm holding out for a hero. My friend Crystal told me about a song, kind of their generation, the lyrics from the Spider-Man, one of the Spider-Man movies by Chad Kroger says, it's called Hero, and they say that a hero can save us. Deep in our heart, we want a hero. 
But today I want to talk about the real heroes. I want to talk about spiritual heroes. The scripture says you don't need a man-made, worldly, temporal hero based on athletic performance or acting ability or the ability to play a guitar or some fake fantasy hero. You and I need real spiritual heroes. And we'll talk about three things about that. One is that we need spiritual heroes. Two, we are called to be by the scripture spiritual heroes. And thirdly, how the scripture says we can be even in our humanness, even our frailty, how we can be spiritual heroes. We need a spiritual hero. We need to be, and we're called to be spiritual heroes. And Scripture says how we can do that. We need a hero. Instead of empty accomplishments of the world, I need to see heroes of the faith. Like the men and women who laid down their lives for our freedom, you and I need to look at the faith of early spiritual superheroes. Not comic book heroes. Not secular fantasy 15-minute come-and-go heroes. But we need real heroes of the faith. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, we're not sure who is, talks about in Hebrews 11 the kind of heroes we need. The kind of people that said, this is not my world. I'm a citizen of another country. They, they didn't call this their home. People like Enoch and Abel and Noah, not Russell Crowe, the real Noah. That we need heroes like Adam and Sarah. Unfortunately, as we follow this look, this need for a hero, <clears throat> we find that so many of our heroes let us down because we put too much on them and they can't fulfill that. Unfortunately, in our history, there's a lot of heroes. We honor heroes today. But because of our politically correct society that's all about separating church and state, we've really stripped some of our heroes of their real spirituality. Here's the kind of heroes we need. Here's the kind of spiritual heroes that we should pass on generation to generation. Heroes like this man. In the winter of 1777, a Quaker minister was passing along by Valley Forge on his horse. It was a snowy winter. The American Revolution was going on. And it says this. I heard a plaintive sound as of a man in prayer. I tied my horse to a sapling tree. I went quickly into the woods. And to my astonishment, I saw the great George Washington on his knee, alone, his sword on one side, his cocked hat on the other. He was at prayer to the God of the armies, beseeching Beseeching God to interpose was his divine aid. That's the kind of spiritual heroes we need. We need heroes like Richard Roland Kirkland, who, a Confederate soldier, a Christian believer, at the Battle of Fredericksburg, December 13, 1862. Richard Roland was on the south side, on the Confederate army. They were at a place called Mary Heights in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And they were up... Sorry, my, sure my son's calling me for money. I'm his hero, by the way, if I give him money. Sorry for that. <clears throat> Richard Rowland is in this Confederate troop, and they are standing behind a three-foot wall of rocks, looking down toward the town of Fredericksburg and the river upon literally thousands and thousands of Union soldiers charging uphill against that wall. And they were mowed down by the thousands. The Union, soldiers, Union generals kept sending troop after troop. Joshua Chamberlain led the main, kept leading men up there. And they kept getting mowed down until the sun began to set. And the Union soldiers realized, the generals realized that it was a failure. 
At that time in the evening, there were 8,000 wounded, dying Union soldiers on the field of battle. And then someone decided to be a spiritual hero. A Christian man, Richard Roland Kirkland, looked down and the Lord told him they need water. He went to his General Kershaw and said, Sir, I want to take water to the wounded. And Kershaw said, No, that's the enemy. You'll get shot and you'll start another battle. Kershaw walked away. He was convinced that God had called him to do that. He went back and said, I'm going over the wall. It's my fault if I get shot. The general said, So be it. Kershaw put nine, ten full canteens of water. He stepped over the wall of Fredericksburg and went from dying, wounded Union soldier to Union soldier as they called out for water. And for the next two hours, he gave water to the enemy. The Union soldiers had raised their rifles to shoot him. When they saw what he did, they laid down their rifles. This man's become known as the Angel of Mary's Heights. There's actually a statue just in that same position on that very spot where he as a Christian man decided to really live out the gospel that says love your enemies, turn the other cheek. He's the kind of spiritual hero that we need, that our country needs, that our children, that generations need to talk about. Or the kind of hero at the battle of World War II, World War I battle in the area of Verdun and the Somme in French and the Alsace-Lorraine, where after months and months where the British army and the German army fought in this no-man's land trench warfare, where they would literally be less than 100 yards from each other in their trenches, and they would blow the whistle, and they would run and charge each other and stab and bayonet and shoot and kill and throw hand grenades and poisonous gas. This went on and on forever until there was just a virtual dead no-man's land between them, a barren, muddy wasteland. And then someone did something that was spiritual, that was of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. It says the Christian German Lutherans in that trench, because it was Christmas Eve, began decorating the area around them with little bits and pieces of scrap and paper and ribbons from home. They took an old beat-up dead tree and they made a Christmas tree. And these German Christian Lutherans began to sing Silent Nacht, Silent Night in German. And they yelled across to the British soldiers, Merry Christmas. And the British soldiers were stunned. They laid, their, they laid their rifles down, and they yelled back, Silent Night. And they began to sing Silent Night in English. And tr- true story, witnesses say that one by one, <clears throat> the men began going over the wall without their rifles. And they met in the middle of this no man's land, and they exchanged chocolate and cigarettes and gum and cheese Then they showed each other enemies, literally at each other's throats hours before, showed pictures of their families to each other. They actually, a group of men broke out into a soccer game, and they played a soccer game in no man's land. Then there are witnesses that say that a group of them got together and actually took communion together with a chaplain from Britain and a chaplain from Germany. They took communion together, they prayed together, and they sang together. And they celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ because they knew they were citizens of a higher kingdom and then they had to go back to war. Those are the kind of spiritual heroes. Those are the stories that we need to be telling our kids, not just superheroes, not just flash in the pan athletes and rock stars and musicians, but true stories of faith that our country's built on. That's what we are charged to pass on from generation to generation. But not only... (laughs) Are we called to look for spiritual heroes in our culture? 
We're called to be spiritual healers ourselves. It's not just about famous people and people called to extreme situations. The gospel says that you and I, if we call on the name of Jesus, we are to be spiritual superheroes. The world desperately needs us to stand out, to be different, to be exiles, to be citizens of another kingdom. Paul says it like this in the verse. I love the way he says this. He says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And listen to this part. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul says that every generation, from Xers to millennials to boomers to traditionalists, every one of us, whatever generation we're in, we're called to be lights in the darkness. That every generation will be twisted and crooked without Jesus Christ, without the good news of the gospel. And that we are called to stand out as spiritual heroes to proclaim the good news through our lives and our deeds and our words and our actions as Bob Goff says, to just do something in the name of Jesus. We're called to be lights. Jesus says it very simply, you're salt, you're light. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't put your light under a, under a basket. St. Augustine said, we're to be a city on a hill, lit up for the whole world to see. We are called to be spiritual heroes. And I see that all the time. I see that and I'm encouraged by it. <clears throat> We've been for over two years now working with Covenant Presbyterian Church, this little bitty sweet church of 15 people over 75 in Westminster Pres and First Pres and the Nuffs and A&O and, and Gap. And, and, and we've been going over there on Tuesday nights and packing food to go put in lockers at Austin Middle School. And we had a hero moment. One of the ladies from Covenant was there on Thursday again. We wait for the kids to leave and put food in their lockers. So they have that food for their families over the weekends. This lady put a bag of food in the locker, and she closed the locker. She looked over, and there was a little middle school boy just looking at her. As she started to walk away, he said, Ma'am, are you the one that's been putting food in my locker? She said, Well, yes, me and some others. She said, he said, Thank you. You're my hero. Thank you for feeding my family every weekend. We live off of this food. See, that's a hero. That's the kind of hero, spiritual leadership, that we're called to do. It's like that, or it's like my friend John Mark. For 15 years, ever, ever since I've known John Mark, faithfully, every Sunday, John Mark stands out there, <laughs> the south end of our building, and welcomes anyone that walks in that door. He's my hero. He's a spiritual hero. He's not flashy. He, he, he's not a, <laughs> up here looking like a big wig or thinking he's something. He's just simply serving the Lord. I guarantee you, people have seen the love of Jesus because John Mark stands out there and shakes their hand. People have joined our church because somebody said, welcome. His name is John Mark. <clears throat> or it's my long-term spiritual hero. <laughs> For 15 years, literally thousands of homeless, hungry, broken Hustlers, con men, families looking for food, backpackers coming through our city have come to that door right there. And where the rest of us would step around them or go to the other side of the street or pass them in the street corner and look down as begging for the light to change, my spiritual hero, Murray, has taken them in. Every time I walk in this church, there's some poor person that you and I would cast off that he's finding a way 
to show them the love of Jesus. That's the kind of spiritual heroes we're called to be. What kind of hero are you being? Is it all about me and you, or is it about Jesus? But not to be fooled. Don't buy the old American adage that it's up to the professionals. That if somebody needs to know about Jesus or the Bible or how to serve, <clears throat> send them to the paid people. Just like we pay to have people do our dry cleaning and people do our lawns and people take care of our kids. We think spiritual things can be serviced out too. Let the professionals do it. Let Murray or Howard or Stuart or Kim or, or somebody. Let's, that's for the professionals. They're the heroes. The scripture says, no, that is not the gospel. In fact, Peter says it like this about the fact that we are all spiritual heroes. First Peter 2, 9. We really want you to hear this. <clears throat> you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. You might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not a professional job. It's the job of believers to be the heroes, to be salt and light and hands and feet, not the paid professionals. It's us. There's an apocryphal story, and I like it. Not probably biblical, but the principle is true. It says that when Jesus died and rose from the grave, and we finally went back to his place, the right seat, the right hand of God, seated in heaven, that the millions and millions, myriads of angels crowded around him and began asking questions. What was it like? to be a man. What was it like to bleed and die? What was it like to be hungry? What was it like to go to hell? What was that like, dear Lord? And then one little angel raises his hand and says, so now what's the plan? Who's going to carry the good news of our Father now that you're not there? And Jesus said, it's very simple. I've left it to my followers to spread the good news about the Father's love. And the angel said, human beings? And Jesus said, yes. And the angel said, what's your plan B? And Jesus says, there is no plan B. They're going to carry the good news. We are the plan A, folks. We are the spiritual superheroes. It's our job. So what does it look like that you're a priest, that you're chosen, that you and I, just normal people, that we're the ones that are called to proclaim his excellencies? What does that look like? Looks like Bob Sanders who year after year, even as he moves into his glory days, is still teaching Sunday school, calling me and Murray and saying, what the heck is this version Bible? How do I do that? How do I teach? Give me some more stuff. He's still fighting a good fight. That's a hero. It's college guys. It's the young adults, that, young guys that I get to meet with every Friday morning at Calico County who right there in the middle of everybody else, they're reading their Bible, they're praying out loud, they're talking about Jesus. So much energy's coming out of that group that the bus boys and some of the downtrodden, some of the guys that have been troubled that are, that are working there at Calico County have been stopping by. And then between tables, they'll put their wash tub up and they'll sit and listen to these guys. And Andrew will give them a Bible or Blake will give them a piece of paper or Eric will invite them to come to our worship service. Or Evan and Blake, on their way to drive to men's retreat, stopped by one of these guys' apartment and found him and went in and asked him to go to men's retreats to a totally different place. These guys have been so much priests and ministers that this young man and his girlfriend have been visiting our church. 
That's what it means to be a priesthood. That's what it means to be a minister. But I'll tell you what a real spiritual hero looks like. You can put that back up. And I can't go without talking about someone that's ministering to me. Someone that's become my, pre, my pastor by just his life. I have to talk about this every time. I talk about what the gospel looks like. So three and a half years ago, as you know, it's this beautiful, gorgeous young couple at the prime of their life, poised to have children, poised to move into being a married couple. It's right before Christmas. She's at the mall, a brain aneurysm. She's down. She's, we're at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're at the hospital. Her family's there. Cody's there. Gap kids are there. Lisa and I are there. And this brain surgeon walks out and said, she's not going to make it. I don't, I'm not even sure why I, why I opened her up. <clears throat> she's not going to make it. Guess what? God had other plans. Three and a half years later, she's in a facility. Rebecca Kirby is in a facility in Lubbock, Texas. And my hero, my spiritual pastor, is her husband, Cody, who every weekend drives down on a Friday and stays there till the last minute on Sunday and reads to her and sings to her and prays with her and watches movies with her and laughs with her. This week he sent us a video of him singing to her. They're taking a selfie and he's singing to her and her dad says, what do you think about that, Rebecca? And this woman who was supposed to be dead does this. Yeah. That's my hero. And even though well-meaning people, even Christians have said, Cody, move on with your life. It's okay to start dating someone else. He's even had women approach him to date. And he said, I made a vow. This is my wife. This is my bride. I wouldn't think of it. Folks, that's a spiritual hero. When other people are bailing out of marriages because we have irreconcilable differences or we're not happy, here's a man who has no hope for any change until they go to be with Jesus, and yet he is staying in his marriage. That's the kind of spiritual heroes that we're called to be. That's what a priest looks like. That's what a pastor looks like. That's what a chosen people looks like. That's how you proclaim the excellencies of him. And you and I are called to do the same thing in our own way, to be spiritual heroes. How do we do that? What does that look like? There's no formula. There's something real simple in Scripture. It's always simple, isn't it? The verse that Murray read out of this little bitty prophet, this little bitty book in the back of her Bible, last prophet. He says, here's how you do it. Here's what spiritual superheroism looks like. He says this, hasn't God told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord God require of you? How do I do this, Lord? I can't do this. I'm just me. How do I do this? He says three simple things. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with God. Number one, do justice. Just do the right thing. Just make the right decision. Don't leave that marriage. Don't ruin your relationship. Don't have sex with somebody you're not married to. Don't keep feeding that addiction. Don't keep lying for the convenience. Don't keep judging people who don't look and think and act like and vote like you do. Do the right thing. The old thing is what would Jesus do? That's exactly what it is, is to do justice, to stand for something, to stand for Christ when everyone around you stands for nothing, to love kindness. Instead of holding grudges, 
and, and being petty and, and, and having division among our church and our neighbors and our friendships and our dominance is to love kindness, to truly turn the other cheek, to not fight fire with fire, to not hold grudges, to forgive even when that person doesn't want to be forgiven, to not keep spreading the lie, to not keep feeding the gossip, to not keep hoarding our money and accumulating more and more while people around us are starving, to not blame the poor for being poor, to not judge people because of their zip code or their skin color or their denomination, to love kindness. By this, all men shall know that you're my disciples, that you love each other. We find things that we have in common, not what we have in difference. And this last one, to walk humbly with God. Do you see anybody being humble? in our superheroes in this country? Do you see anybody that's not doing this and talking about me and saying I'm number one? Do you see any of these so-called fabricated fantasy superheroes being humble? Where in our culture is humility lifted up? And yet Christ, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Instead of taking selfies, we should be selfless. And stay an iPod and I this and I that. It should be you, you, not me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about others. I close with this. Do justice. Love kindness. <clears throat> walk humbly. Last year when the tornadoes ripped through for a second time in so many years, Oklahoma, Norman, and more Oklahoma, People kept coming out. People went there to help. It was just, as you know, and those of you that live in that area, it was just a, a total disaster. This man shows up on a Friday afternoon. T-shirt, blue jeans, nothing to identify him. Sunglasses, hat pulled down. He just starts working. Just jumps in there with this other group of people. Nobody knows who this guy is. He's just working. He's sweeping. He's down on his knees cleaning up junk. He's giving water. He's, he works all day. At the end of the day, they pull everybody together in this group to pray. And the leader of this group says, bow your heads, and this man takes his hat off. This little teenage boy looks up. And as they end the prayer, and this man puts his hat back on and slowly walks off, the teenager says, Mom, that was Bob Stoops. That's the coach of OU Sinners. To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly before your God. That's what it looks like to be a superhero in closing, how do we do it? How, how can I be? I, I, I'm just me. I'm nobody. What would motivate me to be a spiritual superhero? To love justice, kindness, and to walk humbly. It's just looking at the true superhero. It's looking at the king of kings. Is that person, that being that our heart longs for, that need for a king, a hero, a superhero, to look to the only person who can ever be our king, who can ever be our true superhero, who can ever meet all the needs we ever have or imagine we have or we will have. The only one is a supernatural hero. As Paul says, he who, though he existed in the form of God, did not even think about being equal with God, but humbled himself and became a man, became one of us. That he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That the Lord of the universe, the ultimate superhero, took spiritual kryptonite, our sins, and it killed him. He died on the cross. He who had all power became powerless so that we could have all power. He that was the son of God became lost his son of sonship so we can be sons and daughters of God. 
He that was heavenly became earthly so that we could be heavenly and eternal. That's the once and future king. That's the superhero we need. And nobody else will ever meet your needs. And if you think a person or a place, an institution or possession will take the place of Jesus, you will be sorely disappointed. Amen? That's the key. That's the only way we can do it. And one day, you want to see your superhero? If you call in the name of Jesus Christ, if you bow your knee before him, you're going to meet your superhero. You're going to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul says it like this, that one day, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. You're going to meet the superhero of the ages. Will you meet him in joy and adoration or in fear and shame? Do you know him? Is he your only superhero? So I have that question. Do you know Jesus? Is he your superhero? If he's not, today's the day. Call upon the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. And then lastly, the challenge for all of us. Whose spiritual superhero will you be? Who is the grandchild or the grandparent or the parent, or the neighbor, or the classmate, or <clears throat> the person at your store, the person that you buy groceries from, who needs you to be their superhero? Would you dare take that challenge? We can be heroes.
May we pray. Lord, we do thank you for um, those who have gone before us, uh, many who have uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice that we might uh, freely come here and, uh, to worship you, to hear your word preached, uh, to meet a new friend, uh, to eat together. Lord, um, the good things in life uh, that we experience uh, have been uh, paid by those who have gone before, those who have loved us, those who have cared for us, uh, and those who have, as we said, have given the ultimate sacrifice for us. Lord, we stand on hallowed ground. We stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. Uh, Lord, teach us to be thankful people. Teach us to express that gratitude to those around us, uh, to those that um, have gone before us. Lord, we do thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of your son, Jesus, who um, died in our place that we might not know death. So, Lord, we come as thankful people, thankful for those who have gone before, those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. And, uh, Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We continue our worship now as we return to God, his tithes, and our offerings. 